Welcome to Liquid Courage, the podcast where I, Amanda Pereira, sit down with a fellow artist that I admire and ask them the questions I've never had the guts to ask them before. Sounds scary? Yeah, it really is. So I use a little liquid courage in the form of my guest's favorite drink. We cheers, chat, and connect as I attempt to soak up all the wisdom they have to offer. Today I sit down with Julia Haste and we throw back a cocktail called Corpse Reviver Number no. 2. <laughs> Julia is the founder of Ernie's Icebox, a premium ice cream sandwich shop here in Toronto. Julia has worked in the food and beverage industry for 15 years, all to support herself in the performing arts, which is how I came to know her. Julia graduated from Humber College's theater performance program, as well as Second City's conservatory program, and went on to produce, write, and perform in many live theater productions and comedy performances, including her critically acclaimed solo show, This Is Not She, where she was nominated for Best Solo Performance by My Entertainment World's Critics Pick Awards. When the pandemic hit, Julia, like many others, felt she had to pivot career-wise, and so Ernie's Icebox was born, her very own artisanal ice cream sandwich business. Since opening, Ernie's Icebox has been featured by BlogTO, Breakfast Television, in Toronto Life's annual holiday gift guide, and has made numerous best-of lists. In July of this year, Julia opened up a storefront for Ernie's Icebox, located just north of Jane and Bloor in Toronto. So Julia is the owner of Ernie's Icebox here in Toronto and someone I admire immensely. Hi, Julia. Hello. Hi. You know that, okay, I I wasn't even planning on saying this, but I just realized when I said your name out loud that um, I know what, because you've posted that sometimes people say Julie, or like, I think you just went to a wedding (laughs) recently and it said like Julie instead. Yeah. And I realized because I've known that about you when I say your name I really accent the ah at the end and I'm like hey man to calm down like she I, knows what her name is you don't need to be like Julia. yeah yeah I, I appreciate <laughs> so it very just much it's bad it's always it's only ever in writing sometimes people are like hey Julie Julie like I oh god it's I have so many stories but most recently I had somebody where I had an email exchange with them for such a like several back and forths and the only reason they knew my name was because it was written down in the email, like in my email and the way that I signed off. And they went back and forth between Julie and Juila. Like, Wait, how do you spell Juila? What's Juila? J-U-I-L-A, like, oh. which I assume was a typo. Right. But then the right. next email was Julie. And then I went back to Juila. And I was just like, where is that? <laughs> I don't know why I'm loving Juila. Okay. Yeah. I feel personally that in emails, it's unacceptable because it's in if it's in the email and then if it's not yeah. in the email if if your email is like um cool baby cake seven five or whatever which like don't get give me that handle. email on the <laughs> yeah oh my god i'm so sorry that was your private <laughs> business one Focus. then by the second email you need to know because someone's going to say like sincerely julia like they're gonna put their name it's unacceptable mm-hmm. it's written right there you can't you yeah. just can't like come on Juila is the I, that is the cutest name I've ever heard I think but I will never call you Juila so it's the least I can do is call you by your freaking name <laughs> yeah. um okay so it is like 11 30 or something in the morning we mm-hmm. are drinking a drink I have never had this before now I'm panicking corpse reviver yeah it's corpse reviver number two number there's two okay I think we talked about this and got the ingredients right, but now I'm wondering if there's a chance oh, no. we're drinking two different cocktails. Oh no! What is on. in your cocktail? Yes. Okay. Wait. I. Okay. Hold on. But we have I to was. Be go- we talked about the ingredients. Yes. So that's, yes. 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 Follow the email. Yeah. Okay. Can you yeah. tell everyone what is in this 
crazy drink. And I really hope what you're listing is also what I put in my drink. I'm scared <laughs> I fucked it up. Okay. Just nod along and be like, okay. yeah, sounds good. Yep. Uh, that's okay. totally what I did. Uh, yeah, no, it's a uh, I'm trying to remember if it's, I used to know the history of it and if it was like a, I think it's a fairly old-ish drink or like a classic. And it is gin, Lilit Blanc, lemon juice, triple sec, and then it gets an absinthe wash which means basically you take, like traditionally you would go like a splash of absinthe and then swirl it around in the glass and then dump it out. But I don't like wasting. So I just kind of put like a teensy drop in and then do a little swirl. Um, it is supposed to like coat the inside of the glass and give the, the flavor of the kind of absinthe, like the kind of star anise uh, licorice flavor. So like, it's not like getting a sugar cube and like pouring the absinthe. Like we're not going to start hallucinating right. in, this, uh, yes, yes. in this podcast. But uh, but yeah, it's a pretty, it's a pretty classy one. And I... Definitely like threw you curveballs where I was like, here are the three ones that I would choose from. And they're all like green chartreuse and Luxardo maraschino oh, liqueur I and shit. I loved it. I was like, she knows her shit. You sent me what? the coolest, most elaborate cocktails. And I was like, no, we are doing one of these. Like we're figuring this out. Nice. Yes. Yeah. Well, the next time you go to like a fancy cocktail bar, just ask for like any one of those. Cause those are my, my favorites. And I'm a big kind of I was going to say alcohol junkie, but that sounds horrible. <laughs> no, you were like a cocktail connoisseur or something like you. Yeah. So yes, nodding along for people uh, watching, you would have seen mm -hmm. for people listening. Absolutely. Yes. That is what I put in my drink and mm -hmm. full transparency. I was saying before we started recording, I was trying so hard to find absinthe. That is the only thing missing from my drink, but I have all the other things mm -hmm. and I did put some ice in it to like, keep it cold. I haven't tried it yet. And like, I'm intimidated. This is basically all alcohol with like a there's not that much lemon juice in it. <laughs> yeah. But uh, some of the, most of the alcohol is not like full strength. Like the right. Lilith is like, I don't know. 12% or something like right. that. Yeah. So it's there, 12. It's, it shouldn't be too insane. Yeah. It's a good, maybe it'll replace my mimosa at brunch. I'll just yeah. It it's this. much more efficient. It gets the job, <laughs> job it's done. It's much more lot. efficient. Oh my God. Oh, I love your glass. Oh, thanks. I brought it from <gasps> Oh my oh, God. It's, mine is a, just a big ass stemless wine glass. Okay. Cheers. I'm going to try cheers. this um, corpse reviver number two. I don't even know where to put my cheers. Nice camera. Cheers. Oh, yeah, there we go. Cheers. Okay. <laughs> Oh my God, it's so refreshing. It is, that's why they call it a corpse reviver because it's got a stupid amount of booze, but it's also like very citrusy and sweet and bright. Like it does give you like, like you're not gonna get scurvy with this because it's got like no. <laughs> an lemon juice and like scurvy. orange liqueur and like, it's just, yes. Oh, I will be drinking this. Well, first of all, for like winter as well, but this is such a lovely, I would wanna make a picture of this in the summer and just like yeah. drink from this. Mm -hmm. <gasps> You're already bringing so much to my life, Julie. Oh, I, you know, I, I try. This okay. is something we used to, when I worked brunch at a diner and it was just like an absolute, you know, it was a war zone, essentially. We would always make corpse survivors after for like our little after drink because it was just, yeah, just refreshing and gives you a bit of a pep, but like delivers alcohol very, very Yes, efficiently. yes. So, and you know what? For people who, I love gin. For people who don't like gin, I feel like gin is polarizing, which has always surprised me, but... Mm. For people who don't like gin, you can't taste the gin that much. You really taste the lemon and the orange. And then there is that like warmth afterwards a bit, but you do, it's not a strongly gin drink. So everybody yeah. go try it. Go yeah. try it. And then message Julia a thank you and, and send her money for the thank Ooh, you. One note that I mentioned uh, to you briefly, but 
I don't even know. Basically, if you were like trying to make this drink and you couldn't find absinthe or didn't want to buy, like spend a million dollars on a bottle of absinthe because mm-hmm. it can be expensive. Uh, there's an, a liqueur, like an aperitif called Pernod, which is like, it is also, it's just a very similar flavor. It's not gonna, mm. you know, it's not as high alcohol, but right. if you just want to get that little bit of a, that flavor in there and you don't feel like shelling out the big bucks, I feel like, yeah, I think Pernod is partly in a lot of cocktails too, so. So then you could use it on other things. Ooh, I yeah. want to try. I actually, I and I really want to try it with the rinse because I'm like, oh, I think I'm not even a big like black licorice flavor person, but I think a little hint of black licorice with this would be amazing. Yeah, I find without it, it tastes a little bit like almost just like a mimosa or something. It's just like all citrus. And if you yeah. get that little, like the kind of, yeah, star flavor on the end, it's very like well-rounded and stuff. But you know, it's good either way. Yeah. So, okay. So you are, yeah, you are so like knowledgeable and clearly love cocktails and like cocktail culture what is it about cocktails and cocktail culture that draws you to it or that you love so much uh, it's hard to say I mean I do just love booze essentially like I'm <laughs> a bit of a booze probably comes from a like being in the industry it does give you like a fairly decent like uh stamina for mm. you know like you end up doing shots or having cocktails or, or whatever. And I've come to just like very much enjoy the flavor of alcohol. Like I like mm. having a kind of a boozy experience and cocktails are so interesting and versatile. Like people can get really creative, especially like, you know, like when you get into stuff that's like really like obscure herbal liqueurs from Holland or something. Yeah. It's a, it's a bit of a way to like, kind of it sounds really cheesy to be like travel the world, but through drinks, but it's just like, I don't know, you get to have like new experiences all the time and find something that's really ba- well balanced and new different flavors than you'd have access to and plus then you get drunk so that's nice <laughs> yeah totally it's like it's like tasting foods from around the world but it's better because you can yeah. get drunk so it's yeah, exactly. nice that way do you like yeah. do you like create like i know you like making and trying different um cocktails that already exist do you also like trying to make new cocktail recipes is that your jam also I have the problem is that it is quite hit and miss I don't think I've created any that are like permanent fixtures now Mm -hmm. like it's more like a thing where it's you know especially in lockdown it would be like okay so I have gin and this weird (laughs) liqueur that a friend gave me for my birthday two years ago and there's some orange juice in the fridge and just trying (laughs) to figure out if like I can turn something into a cocktail the problem is, yeah, like alcohol is kind of expensive and it yeah. can be hit. So it sucks if you take like four ounces of good gin for like you and other people, not just yeah. me, and like mix it <laughs> yeah. in with some weird thing. And then you're like, well, this tastes awful. So I guess I'll just throw it out or drink it out of spite. Usually I'll end up just sticking with the, the classics essentially. Because yeah. it's, yeah, it, I feel like there's not a whole lot of ground that hasn't been covered in that mm. respect. But you can also do variations that are like, you know, you're not, you're not going way out there. Like you can if it's normally an orange flavor, if you put in like lime or something instead, like that, that's not going to change things drastically or, you know, mm-hmm. you have lemon and not whatever, like that, that kind of stuff. Or margaritas are a really fun way to experiment because mm-hmm. they've already got such a huge, like punchy flavor that like putting other stuff in there, like you could put jalapenos in there, you could do a pineapple margarita, mm-hmm. you can put like some herbs in there of some sort and like, or play around with the salt ingredients yeah like that's just a fun like way to just do little variations and have fun so Mm -hmm. yeah it's super super fun and creative it is well and I find like I find it hard because even if I'm going to like the store to get an alcohol 
get an alcohol. Jesus, <laughs> I need to go God. get the alcohol. <laughs> I need to go get the alcohol. There's such big fucking bottles that I'm like, well, if I buy this liqueur and I don't like it, like, and I, <laughs> from this podcast, I have big bottles of a lot of, like, from this, for this drink, my, is it Lilith? Am I saying that yeah. right? Okay. I think it's technically Lillet, but I always just call Lillet Blanc. Lillet Blanc. Okay. My Lillet Blanc is from another episode. My trip with Knox, my triple sec is from another episode with Aaron Pym. Like I just go in and I buy the bot. My gin is from Flo and Joan. Like I just buy the bottles and I, I would love, I'm just going to pitch this out there. LCBO or wherever, whatever the alcohol store it would be great if it was like here are a bunch of bottles of a bunch of different alcohols and liqueurs and now take this home and it's like a sampler and you can see what you like and then you can invest in the big bottles because yeah. that's like fun right yeah i know like sometimes they do smaller bottles of like the alpenhorn or whatever like near the cash but like having like a selection or like they do the cocktail kits sometimes it usually goes but but yeah like even just having a small just in case you're like oh yeah i'm making I'm trying to think. I was going to say Aperol Spritz, but that's a bad example. But yeah, you're like, I need green chartreuse for this right. cocktail. But you're like, okay, so I'm going to get like a half liter bottle of it that's when I need I to mean. put a quarter of an ounce in there yeah. and it's 50 bucks. Yeah. So make it a little more accessible, LCBO. For all of us to play around, you'll have repeat customers. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. I mean, it's not the LCBO who's doing it, but like, you know, all of the alcohol companies. Yeah. I like the idea of being like, we're to the wise LCBO. If you really want to have repeat customers, <laughs> yeah. like if you want them coming back, it's like, they're like, we're good. On. Yeah. yeah, they're like, <laughs> honestly, we're even considered an essential service. So like, we're yeah. fine. We really don't need the customers to be coming back. Like yeah. they're coming anyway. You're coming. Yeah. You and literally I'm saying this and I'm like, yeah, I purchased a full large ass bottle of Lalette Blanc. And they're like, hey, yeah. Amanda, we know you're fine. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> okay, because you're so knowledgeable in cocktails, I am putting you on the spot just a little bit. Mm -hmm. But I would love if I could give you a scenario and then you could like suggest me a cocktail for that scenario. Okay. Sure. Okay. Okay. Is that fun or burdensome? No, Which that's very fun, but you're going to quickly okay. learn that I, I know like four cocktails. <laughs> oh my God. Great. I, okay, great. Then I'm, I'm going to give you less than four scenarios. <laughs> so well, no, whatever. Just... <laughs> okay. So I was thinking like, what if, and actually this was inspired by when I was making this drink. Um, what if I was feeling like adventurous and I wanted to try something really weird or unique, like with a weird ingredient where like, where the fuck am I going to get this? Mm. Okay. My first, I mean, I don't think it's that weird. I've talked about chartreuse a lot, mm. but there's, um, so there's the classic cocktail that has chartreuse. That is probably my favorite cocktail um, and was the alternative to this one. But I think this one you were like, I have, pretty much all those <laughs> ingredients and yeah. it's like a little easier more accessible um there's a, a cocktail called the last word and mm. it is uh it's green chartreuse uh luxardo maraschino liqueur and then lime juice and gin and it's like green chartreuse is so uh like herbaceous and unique in flavor like it would be really weird to drink it on its own which i think some people do but that's a little much um but yeah that one would be good it's not that out there Mm. or something with like mezcal I think like you can do like I had a I think I had a Negroni that was mezcal instead of uh gin recently any mezcal really if you want to be super adventurous with a cocktail because it is just like depending on the mezcal super smoky um oh. really like hardcore like there's not much 
yeah, it's just like an overpowering amount of like smoke and alcohol and it's very fun. Ooh, smoke. I feel like I have to wear, actually, I feel like this blazer would be perfect for that. I feel like I have to wear like a, a, a I don't know, a plaid yeah. blazer for, for the smoke. Yeah. Okay. What if I wanted a cocktail for like a sexy date night situation? Like I want to feel cute. Maybe they want to feel cute. Uh, sexy. I kind of want to go. <laughs> I mean, I feel like a good old margarita might be a way to go. Mm. You could do like a spice, spicy margarita. That would be very sexy. And also yes. like tequila is the best option in my books for that. And it's like fairly light and it won't give you bad breath. Um, and Oh my God, you're thinking of so many wonderful things. It won't give you bad breath. I didn't even think yeah. of that. Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah. Cause I want to say like, Ooh, red wine is sexy. And it's like, then you have blue teeth and your mouth is all yeah. dry and like you feel tired. So that's, I, I think feel tired. Yeah. I think te tequila might be, I've heard that it's like the alcohol that's an upper, like all the other ones are like a downer, but maybe cause it's like made of sugar. I don't know. Uh, mm. I'm not totally sure, but it's supposed to be something that actually gives you an extra pep in your step instead of just like making you want to lie down. I mean, I notice like if I drink vodka versus tequila, even versus like vodka will make me feel the most like, okay, now I'm ready for a sleep or sitting on the couch. Tequila's mm. the favorite for sure. And yes. all, I mean, also gin, honestly, I love both of them, but yeah, I could buy that. Okay. Yeah. My last scenario for you is like, what's a good cocktail for Halloween? Cause Halloween is coming up. I want to say something whiskey based. Like I'm, I'm, I'm taking this as more like autumnal because I can't think of any spooky cocktails. Like, <laughs> right, so fair. I, I don't so know. Uh, or, oh, there's one that's like called blood and sand. I can't even remember what it is now though, Ooh. but I was like, at least that has the word blood in it. But, um, yeah. I think it might be like a clamato. I guess you could do a clamato like a Caesar because then it's like that's a true. Caesar. But my favorite, I just always want to go whiskey in the in the fall. There is um yeah, you could do an old fashioned or a, a Manhattan or something like that if you want some like the bitters and the, the whiskey and stuff like that. And it's very like warming and nice. Yeah. Um, yeah, that'd probably be the way I go. Oh, I like that one. And strong. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, and I do want right. to have a Caesar in at nighttime and that. That's a lot. Yeah. It's, it's cold. You have that in the morning yeah. after yeah. you've gotten through Halloween. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Exactly. Absolutely. Okay. So kind of in the same vein, well, instead of cocktails, we're going to go food. So during the pandemic, you, I'm telling you this, but I'm telling listeners <laughs> and viewers, you yeah. started your own business, Ernie's Icebox, where you make homemade ice cream sandwiches that yes. look like fucking heaven. Like genuinely, I'm linking it in the description of the episode. Everybody go look at these ice cream sandwiches. They're like nothing you've ever seen before. Okay. So how did Ernie's Icebox come to be? I know this is a big loaded question, but like, I know you pre-pandemic, I guess I should give context as like <clears throat> performer, writer, director, actually how I met Julia. She directed me in a show. So like <clears throat> that, and then bam, you're opening up your own business. Like how did this come to be during the pandemic? I always am not a hundred percent sure what to say. <laughs> like, I'm just like, I am just as surprised as everybody else. I don't know. This just kind of like happened. Uh, I was like, I mean, like yourself probably, and to some extent and, and pretty much everybody else in my field, like not only was I pursuing something in kind of a live performing arts thing of like theater and comedy, all of my Joe jobs as well were like also in person. So I was really like, I didn't even have any like transferable experience to any other kind of work really that it was viable. Like one of the more recent lockdowns, I like was basically having a panic attack because I was like, I can't, I have no skills <laughs> that, that translate. There's no, 
serving jobs. There's a, oh yeah, like so I was serving and bartending, and then I was also working as a tour guide, like a like a food tour guide in like Chinatown and Kensington Market. Yeah, I read this a historical food tour guide. I'm like, okay, yeah. Julia, like no big deal. It was super fun. It was just like here's a script, memorize it, and tell these stories to the, all the tourists from Michigan and whatnot. <laughs> but it was super fun. Uh, but yeah, not a ton of tourism in mm. March of 2020. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so I was like really completely at a loss. And yeah, the, the most recent one was the worst because it was kind of post serb like I didn't qualify for serb anymore. And so I was just like, Oh, I guess I'm just screwed. So that's where I was kind of at. And I was for a while there, it was just kind of you were thinking maybe like, I guess we just wait this out for a little while. And then once it was starting to get apparent that like once it had been, you know, I think in like, November, December of 2020, I started thinking like, I need to figure something out. Like my life as it was is not coming back. So I was just kind of throwing a bunch of stuff at the wall. And um, like, I took a couple of online courses. I was looking into copywriting. I was like, I wasn't expecting this to be the thing that actually took <laughs> off. This was like, I knew someone who was, she was like selling pies on Instagram. Like she was another bartender that is just completely out of luck. Um, and she made these like really amazing, beautiful pies um, and she'd like decorate them all fancy and, uh, basically be like, I made three of these, they're 25 bucks each and I'll come and deliver them to your house. And like, there were so many people doing from home, like food pandemic businesses, mm. like pizzas and baking bread and all this kind of stuff and delivering it around. And I also kind of like, I, I, it was summertime and there was not a whole lot you could do. And so we we're going around like going for ice cream a lot. And I had a couple of ice cream sandwiches in places where people would line up down the block for an ice cream mm. sandwich. And was just generally like no shade, but finding that it was like, it was, like there was one where I was like, they were like, yeah, here's your ice cream sandwich, but it's like served to you in a bowl with a spoon because it's not structurally sound enough. Like you can't pick it up. <laughs> like it's, it like it's a you know, it's a, it's a warm cookie with a scoop of ice cream. So if you try to pick it up, it's going to just fall apart and dribble over your hands. And so I was like, I guess I'll just like pick off the cookies and eat them and then eat the ice cream after. Yeah. Like, what's, so I was just finding that I was like, I this is just annoys me. And I, it's some weird soapbox I'm getting on. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, there has to be some way this could work. And I was like, Oh, what if they did like soft, super soft cookies? And then like, but they could all be frozen together. Like, and I started like, for some reason, like I was probably having a mild nervous breakdown, but I just started like ruminating <laughs> on like, how would you do that? And I started being like, Oh, you could do this. And then you could do this. And like, just kind of started kind of brainstorming it. And I was like, that's just, I've got nothing else going on. And this is really fun. So I'm going to just as a, like a hobby, I'm going to try in the same way, like I did all sorts of things. I made pasta. I did like, um, I made a couple of like old <laughs> in the cocktail vein, there's something called milk punch, which mm. is like a thing where you make, you take alcohol and tea and milk and you curdle it all together and then filter it for days. And like, and it turns it, it's really cool, but like it turns into this like clear liquid and you can keep it for months and it's like a weird bottled cocktail it's it's oh. but that was, like I was doing all sorts of shit like that and yeah and I started doing that I was like I'm gonna make I'm gonna make the perfect ice cream sandwich that's what I'm gonna do and we were like are you okay <laughs> <laughs> you're like I need to do this or my life will fall apart like I have to yeah do this. yeah and I so I did like a bunch of experimenting and it was around Christmas time so I was doing like some Christmas flavors mint chocolate and eggnog gingerbread and stuff mm -hmm. and so I made them and I think the intention was to make them and give them out as Christmas presents, but it took too long. So it was like the new year and I had, Aww. but then I had like, I don't know, a couple dozen of each flavor in my freezer. And so I was like, these would be cool if I could sell them to like a 
coffee shop or something like, yeah. or just like do a little kind of wholesale business out of my kitchen or just sell them on Instagram the way that the, the girl with pies does. Yeah. That would be a little side hobby that I do. Cause I like making them. It's fun. I like baking. And so I did that. And then there's so many like levels of like, how the hell did this, like, this wasn't the plan. How did this happen? Yeah. Um, so there's like a lot of kismet things that happened. So I started like kind of shopping them around some businesses that I knew, or I like, it was like a friend of a friend. And there was someone with who had just opened up like a variety store. It was a tulip variety on, on Geary Avenue. I don't know if mm. you're familiar, but basically they're a really cool shop where it's kind of like they're a variety store, but basically they have kind of the artisanal local version of all the things that a variety store would have. So they'll have like oh, fresh cool. baked breads and like local Toronto products of like condiments and food stuff and whatever else. And like a really cool chip aisle that has all these obscure chips and whatnot. And so they, and then they also are like a flower shop. It's like the cutest little like Wow. I'm going to go. That's so cute. It's super cool. And uh, yeah. And so I, they were like friends of a work friend of mine. And so I popped in there uh, and was like, Hey, here's a couple of samples. They were like, Oh, that's nice. Good for you. We're not really, this was like February. And so they're like, we're not really thinking about this right now, but like, we will get a freezer. So like, if we're interested later, we'll let you know. And uh, then the weird thing that happened was that they happened to be next to an ice cream shop that closed very suddenly. And then there was this like crazy heat wave in March of 2021, like where it's mm. randomly like 18 degrees and sunny every day. So everybody was like marching down to that ice cream shop to go get ice cream and it was closed. So they go into the variety store to be like, do you have ice cream? And she was like, no, we don't. And so she like called me and was like, do you have those? Like, can you bring them over like right now? And basically like I brought a big bag of them over and they sold out in that day. And she was like, they're all gone. Do you have more? And I was like, no, and had to make, basically it was, it became a thing where it was like, I would just kind of like make as many as I could and like shovel them over there as (laughs) whenever I could. And then from there, there was like, I think taste Toronto, which is a, a, like Mm. a food blog, found them, wrote a little story about them that got our Instagram, like a few hundred followers. And it was like, Oh, cool. And some other people contacted me being like, can we stock them? I was like, that's awesome. And then Uh. from that, I got like, I had somebody reaching out being like, I might be interested in collaborating with you. So you can come use our restaurant's kitchen. That's like shut down because we're in, you know, a lockdown. And then like the next day after I moved into that kitchen, blog to reached out and they came like the next day and interviewed me, took some pictures. I like, they were like, let's get pictures of you making your product. And I had like never been in that kitchen before or used any of this equipment. (laughs) The pictures were fine. You can't really tell, but it was like me being like, (laughs) and like something breaking and being like, I don't know. Oh no, the the cookies are burnt. Oh God. And like, (laughs) no, I've seen those pictures. You look like a total natural. And I remember when I, when I was like reading the article and seeing the pictures, I was like, oh shit, this is like a legit kitchen. Like this is not her, like an apartment kitchen. This is a legit kitchen. Wow, Julia, what is the story behind this? Oh my God. Yeah, no, you killed it. It was complete luck. From there, like once that happened, it was just, it just exploded. And it was like, people just didn't realize that we weren't like a legitimate business. Like (laughs) like, that it was just some loser (laughs) just making ice cream sandwiches (laughs) out of her apartment that like had never been made more than 20 at a time. And the orders, I think I got something around the realm of like 400 emails overnight asking and to like 2000 Instagram followers and 400 emails, like requesting me like, hello, I will take a dozen of these, please. And I was oh like, I don't, what? and they just like kind of kept coming. And I was like, so I had to be like, I'm going to take this many. And so it's the first 60 people was the first one I took, which was way too much. That's, way too much. I was going to say, I'm like, that is 
that that would intimidate the hell out of me 60 yeah 60 orders of like four ice cream sandwiches but it was for like the following week and then I would do that once a week and I did that for like these like pop-ups drops like the next drop is this time yeah and yeah I almost died because it was (laughs) also like I never made them on a large scale so like they were failed at times like I messed up a big batch and you know was working like 12 to 14 hours in the kitchen because I'm like, I don't have a staff. I was going to say, it's not like at this point, like you said, people might assume like, okay, this is a full, like a business that's been running for a while. They have the infrastructure to be taking like all these big orders. And I'm thinking, yeah. do you even have staff at this point? Yeah, no, it went from that, like from me in my kitchen on like a Saturday morning, just doing it for fun to that in like, I don't know, three weeks. Wow. Maybe. And like two of those weeks were me being like, starting to think that some this could be something someday and it's like and that day is tomorrow yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was like I hope yeah. you're ready here we go oh yeah. my god and it just like I guess they just kind of looked appealing on Instagram and and like people liked the the story of local woman hit hard by pandemic which is <laughs> literally what the like the the article started with it was like a local woman that's been hit hard by the pandemic she's been, she's like, been struggling and it's a picture of me in like hard. an apron like oh I, <laughs> was like, <laughs> I was like i mean i guess so yeah. like i guess like but like this, maybe this isn't what i want the introduction to be oh my god poor poor woman oh it's so poor, hard pathetic pe- woman. poor pathetic sad woman out of business and now yeah. starting one well and like now fast forward to today and you have your own physical storefront for Ernie's Icebox where we're I don't know I'll just say it because I was like excited when we were setting up where we're recording today or where you're recording today I should say remotely yeah Yeah, so fun how has it been like now having your own physical store and having staff of your own like what is that like uh it's very interesting it's weirdly um I think I had so much time where the worst thing that could have happened is that it was all going to fall through and Mm -hmm. like all of it was so up in the air for so long. And so I had a lot of time to plan theoretically how Mm -hmm. it would work if it all worked out. I applied for a program called Futurepreneur, which is a, uh, Futurepreneur is an organization that collaborates with BDC, which is the business development in Canada, uh, of Canada, business developer of Canada. Anyway, (laughs) they give business loans. And so they basically, I think there's like an age cap where they give fairly low interest loans to entrepreneurs that don't like have a house to put against a loan or whatever, Mm -hmm. that would never be able to get a manageable, if they could get a loan at all, it would be like an insane interest rate. And that's basically how they work. And they make you do a bunch of workshops and, and all this kind of stuff and then write a really cohesive business plan. So that was a fantastic, I would highly recommend anybody that's starting a business and needs like a bit of startup capital to go through them because they do, they make you learn all this stuff and then write a really giant like a two-year business plan and cash flow and work with like some advisors that will like work with you and look at your plan and tell you where the potential problems are and all this kind of stuff so more than I mean I needed the money very much but more than that <laughs> I I did not I was like I know what I'm doing I have a plan I know yeah, how yeah. Going. I got and a then plan. They're, once they're like okay write it all down and like tell us step by step and like tell us like make this like detailed cash flow document of like all the stuff and then I would be like oh right. I I don't know what's going on here yeah that's not gonna work yeah so yeah by the time it it actually 
happened, I was, it had looked like it was not going to happen for mm. quite a while. Like I'd hit a lot of roadblocks and the biggest thing was just finding a space that would work that I could afford because everything is crazy expensive in Toronto. Mm. Cause you also have to, in the business plan and the, the pitch for getting the loan, you have to say what your budget is for rent and what you will need to do to the building and where you want it to be and why you want it to be in that neighborhood, like pitch for your business. And so that kind of locks you in to like, you have to find a place in this neighborhood. Now you can contest it. You can make a case. If you find a different place in a different neighborhood, you just have to make a case for why that also would work. Mm. And as long as they agree with you, then that's fine. But you do have to put a lot of work into what is the best place for my business to exist and what is my budget and how many square feet do I need and so finding a place that fits into all that where the loan getting approved for the loan depends on you finding a place like that and having them say yes we will rent to you oh my god like you can't lock in the place until they say yes but they also won't say yes for sure unless you have a signed agreement with the place that you do have the place so it is a really like you have to do like a a conditional loan and then a conditional agreement to lease send them to each other get them processed I think you asked what what is it like to have staff and now I've gone off on this no no honestly it's interesting because it sounds like when you're like pitching a tv show that you're like oh hey network we have a production company who's really interested oh production company we have a network who's really interested and they will only both approve you as long as somebody else also wants you like it's a very like back and forth game it's sometimes it feels like nobody's willing to have the first yes even if everybody else is not saying yes wow that sounds so freaking stressful oh my god And your place is so cute. Like, so glad that it worked out that you could get that place and that it works for you because it's so, it's so cute. Yeah, it works like completely. So by the time I think I had been so stressed that it wasn't going to work out and it had seemed Mm -hmm. for so long, like it wasn't going to work out. And I'd had to do so much planning of every single contingency in order to prove that I could in fact qualify to get the place that the actual like, okay, now we have it. And it's like, oh, well now I have a whole plan mm. in place which is great because I probably would have just signed a lease and been like okay what do I do now and like <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah uh and then been like oh god I don't know anything and like everything had gone so wrong prior mm. to that I won't even get into the actual like it's first summer but it's just like on the one side like on the, like the outside looking in it's like wow so successful because there was just like a lot of media attention a lot of people mm. like excited about it we got a lot of instagram followers and people being like i want to buy from you come to vaughn and and you're like wow (laughs) congratulations but like freezers were breaking down we got kicked out of the kitchen we had someone that was going to invest drop out the dairy board came in and told us to cease and desist on like some stuff like it was a nightmare and i didn't know and that none of this was the plan i was going to be making doing a cute little business on instagram out of my apartment part-time like this was not the plan so it like comparatively the idea of just having our own kitchen and a little storefront and being like people will come to us where we make our ice cream sandwiches with the equipment that we need for the job and then we just give it to them and not like I have to go rent a kitchen and then buy equipment and then talk the landlord into letting me put the equipment in paying the rent and then loading up a cooler going to a farmer's market and like selling it from there and then everybody and then trying to coordinate pickups but we're moving kitchens every five seconds like it that was oh, such a nightmare that comparatively the idea of just having a shop and being like, this is where our kitchen is. And the customers come to us. I was like, Oh, that's, that's way easier. <laughs> yeah. You're like, great. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So that's basically not to say that it was easy because yeah, it, no. it doesn't seem like there's ever 
times where it's like, ah, here we are chugging along. Everything's fine. Like there's always something, but I think that's just going to be a permanent state pretty much uh, from here on out. And it's like, cause it's, it's a challenge if it's successful and it's a challenge if it's not successful. So like keeping up, if you are successful is a huge challenge and figuring out how to, you know, improve things if it's not successful is also a huge challenge. So (laughs) this is just... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what I'm I'm baited to but yeah it was also with the the staff we were very very lucky we got a lovely group of like college students home from the summer that we just lucked out with the people that we were like uh yeah yeah sure like got a zoom meeting mm. with them and they seemed nice so they came in and they were just gems Michaela Lily and Rachel and Alicia uh and Aaron are all female staff as it worked out and uh so yeah, that was lovely. And they were very super supportive. I wasn't used to having help. So for a while mm-hmm. I was just doing all the stuff and they were like, do you want me to do something? And <laughs> I, was like, like, uh, I was like, I was like, no, it's fine. You're I got paying it. me to be here. I can and, help. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, and like, they were like, you can go home if you want. And I was like, no, never. Yeah. It took some getting used to just having other people doing the stuff, but I felt weird guilt with that. Yeah. Was it trusting them to do it how you would want it done? Or was it like also feeling like you say, feeling guilt, like feeling like, oh my God, am I putting too much on them? What what, what was hard about going home and letting them do it? What was hard about it for you? Yeah, I don't know. I think that I was like, I had this mentality of like, I'm hiring people to do, like I will get to the capacity of how much work I can physically do. And then mm-hmm. that's when, like when I reach that limit, then that's when I will call in, you know, reinforcements. Mm. And so the idea of me like having a, like sitting on a beach, having a cocktail while there's other people like running my business for me, had like some sort of weird guilt. And it is also like, I am very, very particular about like the ways in which the product is, is made mostly because there's so many little things that seem so ridiculous and like kind of splitting hairs, but Mm. in reality, it makes a huge difference. Like there's a whole assembly process and like when you're putting ice cream into the little sheet pan to, that you will then like cut up to be the ice cream in the thing, like there's a certain height that you have to get it to. And it's mm. kind of different for each ice cream because each ice cream sandwich has its own cookie and some of the cookies are mm. thicker. And so as a result, it's like, well, this, this one has a thin cookie. So the ice cream has to be thick. And this one has a thick cookie. So the ice cream has to be thin mm-hmm. because if you don't do that, then you, someone orders one of each, one of them is like two thirds the size of the other one. And people yeah. are like, assume that the small one is too small and not that the big one is bigger than average. It's bigger, and, like, yeah. <laughs> and then you get kids fighting because one of them got the smaller one. And, or like, if you don't, if you don't bake the cookies exactly right, then they, you know, they're overbaked. They get rock hard in the freezer and people try to bite mm-hmm. through them and they're not pleasant at all. Like, and so it's like, you have to be so like minute with the details that mm. I felt really weird and guilty with these, you know, youngsters being like, do do I'm just making the thing. And I'm, I'm like popping in behind them and be like, did you do this? Did you do that? Or like, wait, wait, how long was that in there? Uh, how long, what, what, what did you use to measure this? And like, I'm like, just, I'm back. like I'm making cookies, like relax. Yeah. But it's also all the, all the work and the time that you put into learning all of those things about like, oh, then the kids will fight. I want to make the parents' lives better. Or like, maybe someone will complain that this is smaller and it's like, okay, or I can't bite into this. Like all of that time that you took learning, I get that it's like, just because you have new people on, you don't want to have to go through all of those mistakes again. And so it is also like quality control. That makes sense to me. Absolutely. Yeah. I think in any, and I've heard this from like, if I've talked to other people that also run businesses, the biggest challenge with employees, especially if it's like your business and your Mm -hmm. thing, like is like delegating. 
Yeah. And like figuring out how to do that. Cause a, you want to have control over everything and you want to do everything yourself and you want to work yourself to the, you know, to the bone. Cause that's just what you're used to doing. And then also mm-hmm. there's so much stuff that now is just second nature and you do it really like quickly and, efi- and efficiently and um, instinctively. And you kind of can forget that those things aren't instinctual to someone that hasn't done this 8,000 times. Mm -hmm. And then you get the thought of like, oh, I know how to do this like really quickly and efficiently. And this person does it. So it's actually going to take me longer. Like it'll take me just as long to explain to them how it's done than if I just do it myself and like, oh, we don't have time. Like we're, we're crunched for time. So I'll, I'll just do it. And like Mm -hmm. some other time I'll teach you how to do it and whatever. Mm -hmm. But it's like, but no, you have to you have to take the time to teach people how to do it and do it correctly and be like a nitpicky person because mm-hmm. that will ultimately be the most efficient way to to do anything. That will what, be what saves you time in the long run exactly. um, and and makes everybody's lives easier. Like people are way more happy to have you just be like, really be like, this is exactly how I want to do it. So they're not always like, is this right? I don't know. Is that okay? I don't know. And like, I had so much trouble telling people they were like being like, that's wrong. Don't, no, no, do it like this. Like, I felt like, so, I like, I would always like preface it with like, sorry, I'm, ugh, I'm such a psycho. I know, I know this like, oh, you're probably like, oh, shut up, Julia. But you actually wrap it like this. And like, you'll be like, you don't have to say that every single time. Yeah. Like, you said that six times this morning and it's making us really worried about your mental health. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, like tell, yes. And you're right. Like, it is, it is a long-term thing. And because I think so many starting businesses or, or businesses that have been going for a long, long time or businesses that are growing, like all of them, you feel like you're always in survival mode. Like you're always like, I don't have time, I don't have time. But mm-hmm. exactly what you said, if you take the time to teach somebody now, it is an investment, you will get an ROI, you will get a return on investment. So my partner <laughs> is constantly watching stock-related podcasts like on the TV. And so it's just... Oh. He's very into the stock market. I don't know. I have I bought one stock. I know, right? And I, I don't know if it's doing well. I'm trying not to t- check it. It's a long-term thing. Anyway, it's like yeah. a safe, long-term, boring thing. But <laughs> whatever, you will get a return on investment if you take the time to be like, this is exactly how I want it done. And this is why, because then they're going to care. You aren't actually like a drill sergeant saying, I want it this way because, which also that's okay too. As long as you're treating people nice, that's fine too. But then ultimately... It will become. It became instinctual for you, so it will become instinctual for them, and then it does save you time. So, yes. but it's. I'm sure it's scary in the moment. I mean, I would love. I would love to have help on even this very meta, even on this podcast. And I don't even know how to approach it. I'll probably ask you those questions later. Not that it's a full functioning business, but it's like it's hard to think. Oh well, why will people care about your thing? It's yours, and and. Yeah how do you delegate or, and it just seems easier to do it all yourself, but you're right. Even when you said like, I felt bad that I, what I'm going to be off at the beach, like hanging out while everyone else is doing my work. And I'm like, Julia, I would bet all of the money that I invested in my one stock. (laughs) I would bet all that money. You're not going off to a beach. You're going home and maybe getting like the sleep that a human deserves, or maybe you're going home and like answering business related emails. (laughs) Like you're not going off taking vacation. You're literally just going to either be a human being, like take care of your dog or do other business things. So, but even that can, it's hard to not feel guilty about having anybody do it. It's a challenge. I think there's something, you know, probably also like kind of woman-y about like Mm. feeling a weird guilt about telling people what to do. Mm. where that is probably like in in great like I just it's the same thing as when they're like oh yeah I'm gonna you know whenever I write an email it's like it says it starts with sorry (laughs) and ends with if that's okay if not no worries like that's yeah and that's how I would like I would catch myself saying that where it's like 
oh, sorry, but this is done this way. If that's okay, if not, it's not a big deal if you don't. And like, I would like, there would be very important things that it's like, it really does need to be made this way. And I would say like, say that and then be like, if, I mean, if you have the time, like, honestly, it doesn't really matter that much. If, if a few come out that are burnt, it's like, whatever, we'll just throw them away. It's not a poison. And if it's like, poison, yeah. it's okay. Yeah. And like, guys, no worry. Like, you know, they're like, there's, oh, there's a full piece of paper in this one ice cream sandwich. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Like, it's fine. It happens. Don't worry. Whoopsie. Whatever. Right. You know, right. but like, just, yeah. just keep an eye out for it or don't. I don't care. And it's like, <laughs> don't like, no, tell them what to do. Yeah. You are paying them. Yeah. And like, I'm hyper aware of the fact that it's just very easy for people to just hate their boss. Mm. and resent them where it's like mm. if they're kind of like oh I want to go hang out with my friends but I have to go to work and then you become like the kind of personification mm. of that or like when people are corrected on something sometimes they get a little like mm. and then you know people I remember being young and just like hating my bosses and being like nah. and now I have so much sympathy for those bosses mm. like some of them were assholes but like if they came in they were like hey guys time to lean time to clean or whatever and I'd be like oh fuck you yeah like I'm talking to my friends (laughs) it's like they're paying me to be here and do a thing and I'm doing everything in my power to not do my job Mm -hmm. most of these were for like giant corporations so I don't feel that bad about it but like and then I would come in being like what are you guys doing? Uh are you guys uh oh DC maybe you could finish oh if you need things to do I can give you a few things to do and like I'm sure I'm like hate me like yeah Yeah, but it's also I mean from another side like again I know this is outside looking in like I know of performers that you gave jobs to and like full circle you lost your jobs at the plural at the beginning of the pandemic was like what am I going to do what am I going to do and then you turned it into something where other people who were like what the fuck am I going to do oh I'll go work for Julia thank god like there was actually a time where a friend was like, oh, Julia's, or maybe even you, re- some, someone mentioned that you were looking for people because I think it was either around the holidays or around the summer and you were like, oh my God, we need extra people. And mm-hmm. I almost like submitted to work because I was like to work for you. And then Aww. weird kismet, talk about kismet, like I got a job offer from someone to do something and I was like, oh my God, okay. But like you could have saved me too. Like you are offering that to other people. So yes, I'm sure some people, cause it's always gonna happen. And with young people, you know, you're, we're all more likely to be like, I have to go to work. But also it's like, oh my God, I get to go to work, especially during a pandemic for all these people. And I get to go to work and I get to work for a small, like a small, not a corporation, like a business. And I get to see it grow. And I get to work with directly with the person who started this business. Like all of that is, can be so rewarding. So I think you should give yourself so much credit for like giving, you're helping all these people pay their rent or their student loans or their, for their textbooks or their, or their fucking fun date where they then order like a margarita. Like you're paying for their margaritas. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, uh, I suppose that's true. Like, yeah, it's like, it's like at the end of the day, I'm like, Hey, I guess you're welcome for the money. (laughs) Yeah. I also do think I was really like, I was doing my best to uh, make a place like a workplace that was like hospitable and nice mm. and pleasant. Probably if anything that got in the way sometimes of like where I'm like, I should be telling them to get the fuck back to work or something, but I don't want <laughs> right, to. Right, right. Uh, yeah. but, um, and, but I think the only thing that was like, I also got a pretty decent crash course in being the kind of stoic leader in a way, mm. because I feel like maybe because we created such a kind of friendly and personal atmosphere, 
when things were going not well and we had all sorts of shit go wrong we had yeah multiple freezers break down bridges break down this that the other uh like and then like on top of everything else like like the, sh the store opened we sold out in five seconds we had to shut down for an extra week to make more and the, kit, <laughs> the freezer broke down again so it's like you know whatever <sighs> and like oh now we're <laughs> like we opened a month later than we were supposed to and like i know for a fact that they saw all that stuff very much on it like me like coming in being like <laughs> like in the morning <laughs> and being like we're all fucking doomed like, <laughs> like you're just coming in with your corpse survivor number two being yeah like, <laughs> like everybody glass, you might as like, well go home <laughs> yeah giant sunglasses World on yeah and i got like yeah. i went through yeah in the middle of the summer like it, it was always something would go last summer there was something that went horribly wrong in the middle of the summer this summer i we i had a big breakup in the middle of the summer oh. and didn't like from the opening day of the store the breakup happened in like late july and then i think two and a half weeks after that i didn't have a day off so like the, oh the like the breakup took place in oh. chunks in the couple of hours a day i had between my 12 hour shifts and then like get up early and go back to the shop the next day and i also have a lovely kind of um colleague like my second in command who's a good friend of mine who I've worked with for a long time uh Erin uh shout out to Erin she's the best she got like strep throat a few days after the breakup so she was supposed to be working like oh looking after the kitchen and, and helping me and she obviously she was extremely ill and I could and couldn't and she was oh. out for two weeks and like so anyway so there was like some you know 19 and 20 year olds out there that have witnessed a woman in her 30s having <laughs> 17 breakdowns every single day and like have I've probably scared them off of like if I'm supposed to be inspiring young people to like go after their dreams and be entrepreneurs then I, I think I've probably I think there's a lot of parents that would probably thank me for like talking their children like being like this is what it's like you want this to be your life you've given them their crash course also oh my god and I love that you're like again even more so like yeah I felt bad if I would went off and be on the beach I'm like oh sorry uh you didn't take a day off for weeks and weeks. I don't think you're going to the beach. You're just wanting to like have a day where you do laundry and like sit down. Like that's, yeah. oh my gosh, that is wild. Well, and when you said too, like that it's hard to, you know, be able to like delegate and instruct people what to do. And that maybe it's like, you know, kind of how females are are conditioned and, and taught as we grow up. I couldn't help but think about, like I mentioned, like how we met that you have directed multiple productions. And I'm wondering how that translates over to directing when literally that is your job. Your job is to be like the captain of the, God, every time I'm like the captain of the plane, the pilot of the ship, I cannot get those straight. Okay, <laughs> you are instructed to be in charge and We're tell people yeah. what to do. Yeah, because <laughs> so, yeah. like pilots are captains. They say, this is your captain. So I guess they're both. You don't say the pilot of a ship, I suppose. But anyway, sorry, you were you had a question. <gasps> this is not Julia. Question. No, you just that's so oh my god, you just gave me such a gift. I can just always say captain. I panic for like months. This has been happening, and now I can say captain I, both times. No one has pointed how has no but if you're listening or watching this and I've said this and you haven't hope I mean maybe you haven't thought about it. Okay, so you are the captain of this production when you are the director. And so how does that i guess how how do you find that translates over like when you are directing a production do you feel more comfortable telling people what to do how do you feel that you are the captain of the ship mm -hmm. and or the plane i think that 
I, I'm really glad that I had that experience going in because I almost taken for granted that I have been kind of in charge of a big operation and mm -hmm. of people both in terms of like delivering instructions and doing so in a way that they're not going to be angry at me but also understand what I mean and I think that if anything directing theater is probably like the greatest preparation where it's like like telling some people how to make cookies in the kitchen is a million times easier than telling actors how to interpret a text and <laughs> right. like and to how to like how to do this very you know gutting heartbreak scene where they break down crying and then have them do the scene and pour their heart out and then find a way to tell them that they're not doing it right or whatever when it's all <laughs> right, completely right. subjective anyway and like mm. they kind of you're there's technically the environment of like collaboration and there's no wrong answers and you, you know sometimes actors can have egos that you mm. have to manage and you can't tell them to fuck off yeah like yeah. As, however much they might not like if they are behaving out of line it's like well how much of a problem do you want this to be because like yeah. it, I'm sure it would feel really great in the moment to tell them off but mm -hmm. like then you've got the fallout of that and you know you open it a week and a half or whatever mm -hmm. and this person and also like a lot of times like well I'm not paying them or it's like a profit share so they're like I could just leave like yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. um and so you have to like keep that boat balanced oh. and uh yeah and like yeah manage people's feelings a lot because it's very personal and mm. deal with interpersonal issues and handle sensitive subject matter that people have to handle like it's there's so much stuff that you have to balance and comparatively like this is just you know tell people what how to what to do and where to go and like <laughs> But there's also like way more, I think, gratification from development from uh, directing because it's mm. like, yeah, developing a script and like creating something that's very like artistic and, and stuff. So that that's got its own rewards for sure. And it's yeah. really thinking lately. I've been missing it a lot, which yeah. I was always I was always so absorbed in this whole operation that mm -hmm. like people were like, are you going to start doing theater again? And I was like, when would I do that? What? No, like, no. Yeah. And also theater did not love me back. I loved theater. It did not love me back. <laughs> like it was always just me being like, I guess I'll just produce this myself and like lose oh. a bunch or whatever. Like, I don't know. Oh, anyway, heart. but, uh, yeah. but yeah. Um, yeah, it's a challenge anytime. And a lot of people mm -hmm. get put into those positions almost unexpectedly. And it is a very specific challenge that it sometimes it flies under the radar. How, hard it can be to do it well mm -hmm. and I've still definitely got a lot to learn and I think it's just a matter of like there's no way to like you can't go to school and learn how to do it I don't think as much as I'm sure in business school there's like how to manage a staff I, I was working for someone where they had a lot of like is it anagrams not anagrams but like the things where they're like kiss keep it simple stupid but they would oh, have acronyms. That yeah, yeah, yeah. Acronyms, thank you. Yeah, yeah. And like, they'd be like, and it's like, here's the rules and here's a graph that you write where you write people's like, do the compliment sandwich and do like all this stuff. And like, here's oh, all these yeah. tricks to manage people's feelings and make them mm -hmm. more efficient workers. And I was always like really creeped out by that where I'm like, that's robotic. I, and I don't it does know. feel I mean, like a trick, very... like you said, like the tricks, like, and I'm sure they're effective and I'm sure, but sometimes when it, I feel like when it comes to, and this can be in every industry, I'm very obviously limited in my experience of how many industries I've worked in, but with acting and stuff too and directing, like, I feel like 
each individual is so individual and you are dealing and depending on I guess I'm thinking of like tricky subject matter too it's like am I really gonna bring in an acronym right now maybe but if I'm talking to this person about like hey how are we going to access this very sensitive like trigger warning worthy content it maybe it doesn't help to remember the business class where it's like how do we deal with customers I mean I don't know it could totally translate but I it's such a it's such a beast and it's interesting to me like I'm not going to pretend or claim that I know you super super well but just from working together and knowing being around you and things like and hearing you say right now like oh like could you maybe I'm I said sorry a hundred times a day like what drew you to directing? Because all the things you said you have to do as a director sound like all the things that you're like, I don't want to have to say that to people. Like mm. what drew you to it? Yeah, I mean, I've always just been very attracted to, it's not so much that I like, I want to be the boss. Mm -hmm. Like if there is some way to be like, I don't know, <laughs> like the guy from the Truman Show where he's like, like hidden in the moon and like oh, giving little directions yeah, and nobody... Yeah, yeah. Like if I could do it without having to do the human interaction part, yeah. like being having like creative control and like making a thing mm -hmm. and being able to say like to have some control over like the way that it is presented and the way that it's performed and like being able to say like, here are my, uh, here's my idea for the aesthetic and like just having that kind of overall oversight mm -hmm. and uh, being able to execute kind of a creative vision mm -hmm. um, has always appealed to me, especially I think that... Um, I do think that it's a factor that I, and again, I feel like I'm just like one of 8 million people on TikTok saying stuff like this, but like I did get diagnosed with ADHD very late in life before it was a thing on TikTok. Uh, <laughs> there's a very like a uh, beloved, successful young comedian uh, in Toronto who was talking about having ADHD mm. and she was just talking about like, oh yeah, like I always forget this and I get distracted. I could never focus on math. I can totally focus on things that are interesting, but when they're not interesting, I can't do it. And it's like, and I was listening to her being like, it's not ADHD. I feel that way all the time. <laughs> and then I like looked at, and she was like, yeah, it's, you know, way different for girls than it is for guys. And like, mm. there's all that kind of like, it manifests differently in women and, and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, hmm. and I like, just kind of Googled, like, what are the symptoms of ADHD in women? And I was like, Oh, this is a thing. And like, and realize that like ways in which I was like, in some ways I'm really proficient. Mm -hmm. And then in other very basic ways, I am not proficient. And I seem in some way that I can't put my finger on to think really differently from everybody else. Mm -hmm. And I have a lot of trouble fitting into pre-existing kind of structures of work or creativity or whatever. Like it just never seems to work out. But when I have the opportunity to create my own thing, mm -hmm. usually it goes pretty well. Like I, I, like I always had the instinct to just do it myself because I was like, if I could just do it like this and I didn't have to do it the way that everybody else kind of specified for me to do it, then I could, I know I could do a good job, but if I have to follow, like same as with like school, I could, I was like, I know that there's lots of things that I'm really good at. And I wish I could just go to one of those schools where they only make you learn about the things that are interesting to you. Because yeah. for me, not only was it like, oh, this is, it wasn't like, oh, this is a drag. I don't care. It was like, I cannot. Like, it's it's like the page turns into hieroglyphics and I can't read it if it's boring. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, anyway, so, so that was a thing where I was like, if I just could be in a situation where I kind of have full creative control, I know I mm -hmm. could do it. Like, I think I could do a good job 
but it would just be not the way that everybody else kind of designates. And also, again, when it's something I really, really care about and feel really passionate about, then I get obsessive and will work on it 14 hours a day and like obsess over every single little detail. And like, I'll make the schedule. I will build the set. Like I will, I'll do like, I'll be scary, like (laughs) with over too much control. I don't know what possessed me to think that that meant that would transfer into like interpersonal skills. And I'm not totally (laughs) sure that it did. Um, Like other than the fact that I am nice and I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. So at least I wasn't like going in as a tyrant that everyone was like, Jesus Christ. No, like if anything, they're probably like, just give me a direction, please. (laughs) Jesus, Uh, like stop apologizing or, you know, and that was, I think the first time I directed something, it was something that I also wrote. And so like, I wrote it, I directed it, I acted in it. Do not recommend. That was too much. I was 22. It was stupid, but you know, it it went over. Okay. But it was definitely like a very baptism by fire. Like you got to get, you see your shortcomings very quickly and and you got to get good at this. And uh, so luckily, like I just kind of did it in a very slapdash, just threw myself into the deep end, but still in a fairly low stakes. It was the fringe, like, mm-hmm. yeah, might lose $700. Um, <laughs> low, low, low stakes, yeah. you know, low stakes. Yeah. yeah. If, if zero people attend, then I will lose $700. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But then, yeah. So, you know, it's a, a good, that's what the fringe is great for. It's just a great kind of a totally time to experiment. But it, yeah, it was weirdly addictive and, and really great. And I just got like, uh, again, more kismet opportunities. Like I was like, I enjoyed that, but I had no idea what I was doing. It would be cool <laughs> if I had some. And so I applied to be like an assistant director for a, a festival, uh, like a new works festival. And I got an assistant directing position because somebody else dropped out. And then the, the, pro, the, the production that I was assistant directing on, the director had to drop out. So they were like, they called oh me God. up at like 10. 10 p.m. like a couple weeks into rehearsals being like hey would you remember how you're hey. the assistant director um how would you like to be the uh. actual director and I was like uh what oh yeah uh. that was the play that you were in that, was that, that the play that, that I was in yeah uh. <laughs> that, that uh cottage radio starring yes. Linda Pereira. Uh. um and yeah, yeah, I wasn't supposed to be the director of that. Like they barely, they didn't even hire me to be the assistant director of that. Like I got that job because somebody else dropped out and then the director dropped out and then there I was. So I might've never yeah. met, well, I probably would have met you in comedy and all those things, but yeah. oh my God, I didn't know that. And, and I know like, I feel like there's no way for me to say this without it sounding like, oh, you're just saying that because she's here. You were a fantastic director actually and no it's the other way you're here because i feel that way it's not i feel that way because you're here because i asked you to be here so like everybody no you were a fantastic director you had such a vision you also were so open for like collaboration you also gave a shit about who we were as humans and you were telling us what to do actually this morning no last night I was like going through old emails that you had sent with notes and stuff of like oh. the tech rehearsal. Cause apparently my email account keeps everything. This was years ago. And I was like, yeah, this holds up exactly how my memory was like year. Mm-hmm. It would be a dream to be directed by you again. You are such a fantastic director. So if you have any interest in doing it again, doing it again, sorry, I had like only half of the drink, but oh my God, <laughs> it's hitting me so hard. It was like, I started in the morning. Um, but if you have any interest in directing again, I absolutely think you should. And anybody out there looking for a director, 
absolutely reach out to Julia because I think you're so fantastic in it. And you're and because you are also a performer, I feel like you bring that aspect into it too, that you just understand what it's like to be on the other side. And actually, like I wonder as a director like often being a director you get to sit in on the casting process and like the auditions and like what what did you learn about when you were a director and you were watching auditions what did you learn about auditions as a performer yourself oh good question uh, I don't know if there's necessarily anything that I wasn't at least vaguely aware of before I am remembering because I was going to bring this up as like this is one of the more fun things that you get to do as being like a young woman in charge is just handling the situations where people kind of like try to undermine your authority or like underestimate you. When you get moments where you get to kind of prove that wrong, that's like, mm. just like, uh, uh, but <laughs> I, and I, which made me realize that actually I fibbed a little bit. We weren't in the middle of rehearsals when I got bumped from assistant director to director. We were in the mm -hmm. middle of like pre-production stuff mm. where like I'd attended a couple of production meetings where mm. like the designers were talking about what they wanted to do. Um, but we hadn't even cast it yet. And I remember one of the, my favorite things to do was in that particular theater, we were doing it in the studio theater, which was on the third floor. Like it was like mm -hmm. an attic theater. And we had to run down three flights of stairs to let every individual person auditioning in. Oh, um, and so they would like call the stage manager like and, and then like like when they were there they're like call this number like they pasted the number on the door and you, that someone would come down and get you yeah. and so I made a point of being the person that ran down to get them Julia um, can everybody just really let that sink in what you just like direct captain of the ship plane that's how you do it that is well it was me being slightly sneaky because I already, I think I did it once because it was like, mm -hmm. oh, this person's here. And like, I was sitting near the door. So I was like, oh, I'll go do it. And then I ran down and it was some dude who just like kind of brushed past me. And like, I was like, how's your day going so far? And he was kind of like, oh, yeah, fine, whatever. And then like, was kind of like, do you have like, is there like a glass of water or something? Like, he was just kind of like treating me like I was assuming that I was like some assistant, assistant, mm -hmm. stage manager. Not that that, not that you should ever be disrespectful to those people anyway. No, but this is and, the whole point. Absolutely. Yeah. But, and so like, once I got like a bit of intel and like, ooh, the feeling of like, when that guy was kind of rude to me and then we sit down for his audition and I'm like, my name's Julia, by the way, uh, I'm the director. And like, there's just. <sighs> oh God. I'm like getting like victorious feelings. <laughs> via whatever by proxy and this is an unpaid an unpaid workshop play like this is yes. not anything but the and but we were casting a father so which meant we were bringing in like a lot of middle-aged dudes that were kind of in business or or whatever and it, like again nobody even despite the fact that I signed the emails and if they paid attention they would know that it was directed by a woman and mm -hmm. whatever and you should be polite to whomever anyway but most people didn't realize that I was the director and mm -hmm. I think I was 25 at the time so yeah it was just like a good bit of intel and it's like if they're a dick to me then that's because as soon as they walk in the room they're going to be like all like smiles and be like oh, thank you best. so much for the opportunity yes. and like whatever I don't know if that answers your question at all but like um, yeah be a kind human being and also like keep, yeah. be a kind human being to everybody for all of the reasons just because mm -hmm. they're a human being despite what position that they are currently in professionally and also if that's not enough motivation for you then also maybe remember that the person you're talking to might be the director today or might be the director in 10 years from now you never know and I think this a lot 
when I work in casting and I work the front desk. And listen, there is a difference between you had a bad day and your shit is rubbing off on people and we're all human, fair. Like, mm -hmm. that's fine. But then if you're just being a piece of crap to people because you put them in the category of, oh, they are not the person who can get you anything that you want or give you what you want, and you're only caring about the people who can give you what you want, that's bullshit. Because mm -hmm. that person, me at the front desk, watch. I'm probably going to be the director one day that you're auditioning for. And I'm going to remember that you called me a piece of shit in front of 200 people. Like there's just, oh, there's stories where it's like an actor who was trying to audition. I mean, essentially, he didn't call me a piece of shit, but he basically said they were running late. There was this whole thing. He wanted to go in early. I couldn't put him in early. He essentially said that he's here on his lunch break from work. And if I don't put him in early above everybody else, very soon to that time that it was if i don't put him in and then he's late for work and he loses his job and his children and partner all starve and end up homeless i'll know whose fault it is aka me in front of the whole this is before covid so like it was all in-person auditions and it was commercial so you're seeing a lot of people multiple studios going on so it was like a very large group of people just yelling this out and i just and i was like Listen, he's having clearly he's having a bad day. There's rough stuff going on. And also there's a threshold of what I will empathically excuse. And there's also like, excuse me, sir, I'm a human being. Go sit down and that you're not hostage here. Like if you need to go, you can absolutely go. And I understand it sucks. I understand you're losing out on a on an opportunity to, to do like, I get it. My God, I've had to do that. I've had to miss auditions. I get it. It sucks. Also understand how much power I have here and how the lack of power that I have here, but yeah. I might have more power one day. So be good to everybody. Be kind. <laughs> yeah. And also it's like, maybe just go back to work now because you're not getting the job, obviously. Like that's something that people also seem to forget about is like, no matter where the person is on, you know, like on the ladder, like in theater and film and television, it's so like people work so closely together. Like there's yeah. nobody that isn't, that is like, oh, well, they'll never tell these people like it's like especially like if it's the stage manager it's assistant stage manager production assistant like everybody there's like a half dozen people that are in like getting this thing done like you think they're not going to talk to each other like i anyway. know like you think that absolutely you think if the cast like if you're acting like this do you think that we feel okay with sending you off to set where you will have to work with our clients who are like wanting to make this commercial for this product for this company and also the other actors and like Anyway, I mean, it's happened a couple times. It has not happened a ton of, ton of times, but I do have a handful of times where, and I remember like when I see those actors again, I feel uneasy around them. I'm like, I don't know how you're gonna. So I absolutely think that you're giving some good advice here about performance. Cause like, just treat people with kindness. And if you know you're having a shitty day, be aware of it, take a moment. Like I get that sometimes things are out of your control, but also there are many things that are in your control and like, don't treat people like crap. Yeah, I think that's, I mean, I don't even know if it's that useful of a piece of advice because it's like, be like, be a nice person and don't treat people like shit. It's just like, if I have to tell you that, you're like, you know what, right. I, I was going to walk in and berate the assistant, <laughs> but yeah. I listen to this podcast and this girl had this piece of advice for me. It said like, I'm more likely to get the job if yeah. I am nice to people. Yeah, but uh, I guess yeah. it's one of those things where it's like, it's like when you are trying to talk to a company or a corporation and you're like just treat your employees more equitably and they're like yeah but i care about the dollar and i care about how much money i'm like okay great treating them more equitably will make them 
care more will probably make them stick around longer will make them work harder that will make you money so here i'm like listen asshole who was gonna walk in and be rude not being rude and being kind they might be a huge director one day so maybe that will like like appeal to that part of them somehow yeah maybe but also i don't really want to hire that person anyway i'd rather they just go work on themselves and then they're kind because they want to be like a little yeah. bit more. And that, that translates into like business advice as well, like running a business mm-hmm. advice or whatever, where it's like people are trying to like squeeze every last, like save every last cent. And mm-hmm. when they're taking it directly out of the pocket of their employees or being like, let's figure out a way to make them work late without having to pay them or whatever. Yes. It's bad. Like keep your employees happy, like be specific about what you need from them mm-hmm. and treat them fairly and keep them happy. And that will be and it's not, it's easier said than done for sure, mm-hmm. because it's a big undertaking, all of it. And you have to keep so many different things in mind and be efficient and, you know, all the stuff. And sometimes like, mm-hmm. I would have loved to pay my employees more because we're sitting, living in the city that we're living in. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, I, fine. Yes. Above yeah, yeah. But like, that's the kind of thing where I'm like, like looking at the numbers, I'm like, oh, I, I can't because there will not be a business for them to work in. Exactly. If, you know, if I'm, you know, we're not going to break even, but like, yeah, the, like it can be understated. Keeping your staff happy and healthy mm-hmm. is so much more efficient for your bottom line. Because if you don't have turnover, you don't have people that are like dragging themselves through and doing a really mediocre job because they're completely burnt out and exhausted and they hate mm-hmm. you. It's weird how hard it is sometimes to just find a job that will do that. And when people do, they're like, I have found, you know, this oasis and everybody that I know who is good, please come work here. And like, they will stay for a decade and whatever. So yeah, that's also, I I guess, business advice still. Business advice. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Like it just, it makes sense as a human being. And then it also makes sense as a business person, like all of it, it Mm -hmm. all makes sense to just treat people or even customers. Like I, I think it's better to have good customer service and have repeat customers then just try and get them in once squeeze any money you can out of them and then goodbye it's like that's again long term it's not it's not sustainable for you it's not long term so no i think and that's why like i think it goes into any area like any industry it's just like treat your treat your employees well treat people that you're like interviewing for the job well treat the interviewee well just fucking is you're right it's like do we really have to tell people to treat people well but i guess we do sadly that's the advice going in Yeah. yeah in this world that seems to be completely corrupt and horrible and impossible to live in in a happy way. And the 1%, 0.1% is getting, you know, bigger. There's no more middle-class, et cetera. Like Mm -hmm. that was one thing that was occurring to me, especially in this city that is becoming more and more unaffordable and inequitable. If I end up in any kind of position of power, like what is my responsibility Mm -hmm. to the people that I work, like the customers and the employees and the community that I'm in, like that's definitely something it's something that I feel an obligation to take into account and it is also very difficult where it's like we've not been I'm not like doing like Scrooge McDuck diving into all of our profits like it is <laughs> a challenge just to keep it afloat and keep things going but like mm-hmm. ultimately if you can operate from like how do I create the most like create a, a good place to work where people can pay their bills and be happy and comfortable and feel safe. And how can I create a product that is just, you know, makes people happy and does the best job of like providing, like having worth as opposed to cost, I guess, mm-hmm. or whatever, like, you know, like charging a fair thing for what you're doing in order to mm-hmm. keep your business afloat, but also still making it accessible 
two people, which I'm not totally sure. I mean, I think in the case of our artisanal handmade from scratch ice cream, like people can probably go to their convenience store. A lot of the time it's just like, just go to the convenience store and get a drumstick. Like, you know, you don't need to, you know, go bougie all the time, but yeah, just like operate from like as doing as much good as you can while also keeping yourself afloat and Mm -hmm. taking the community into account. Like that's the kind of thing where I feel like you, that will also be a, a path to success because I think that that's something that is really difficult there's so many people that are just figuring out how that, how do I squeeze as much money out of people that don't have that much money mm-hmm. as humanly possible so that I can hire people to do run my business for me and I can go get a yacht and never have to work again. And, yeah. and yeah. it's like those, like the, a lot of those businesses end up failing because it doesn't mean anything to anyone. The employees hate them. They don't offer anything. They're trying to like get ahead of trends. You're right. It, it, it does end up being like, a company where nobody cares about or there's nothing to care about and nobody cares about it because there's no substance to it it's like everybody's just kind of going through the motions and chasing the trends and whatever and i feel like especially nowadays customers and employees like care more and more about the story behind companies or the people behind companies or kind of like why they're doing what they're doing and what they're doing and so for those people out there like yourself trying to make like quality products that are accessible to customers who they want to treat well made by people that they want to treat well like that does shine through and even in the moments i hope where like it feels like oh man if we could if we just cut this corner it would be so much easier and all these people are cutting these corners i think staying true to that mandate of like who you are and what matters to you and treating people well does actually shine through and end up being successful in the end. That's the hope that I have anyway. Yeah. And it's also, it's kind of our only angle in a way, because mm. if you're just trying to, and I think the same thing goes for like art and like if you're pitching TV shows or like trying to mount theater, that's going to do something mm. is that like, if you're just trying to do the thing that's got the best angle or like the best, like kind of scheme or whatever, like say it's like, if it's a business and it's like, I'm going to figure out a way to like, offer this service really efficiently in a way that's gonna we're gonna get a huge client base and it's gonna be like oh we charge five cents from eight million people or whatever and so we just get this way of like monetizing everything and paper like or it's like oh people pay for ads or whatever Mm. and it's there's no real there's nothing unique and there's no heart it's just like a money generating scheme then Mm -hmm. like unless you are a multi-billion dollar corporation then like the only people that seem to be able to make that work with some very rare exceptions are the people that where they just have so much money that they just throw a bunch of shit against the wall and whatever works works and if you are a smaller person and you have an idea like that it's just going to get stolen by one of the people with more money and power anyway but what they don't have like the mega corporations or the huge studios like there is a power in doing something that is very specific to you and is very personal and like just a very like yeah, a personal connection, whether it's like something you're selling or a piece of art that you're making, like that's kind of the only leg up you have because Mm. like the people sitting in the office at Netflix can't generate that out of thin air. Dairy Queen can't do what I do. Yeah. They just don't have that power because they're already a giant corporation and Mm -hmm. they've got investors and their bottom line is going to be just do it as cheap as possible Mm -hmm. and get the most money out of it possible mm-hmm. like they are obligated to do that and so are movie studios and stuff so they don't have what you have in terms of 
like a, a vision and passion and just doing it for the sake of it and making connections in the community. So like mm-hmm. people deviating away from that in the direction of like, I'm going to do the business smart thing, mm-hmm. which is to try to do it in a, like as much of a like money cash flow efficient kind of way. It's like, cause that's how the Uber people, like that's how Jeff Bezos did it or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a bit misguided in that way. And that, yeah. which is nice because it works out nicely. Cause that's kind of what you want to do anyway. Like that's what you're, you're mm-hmm. worried. Like I would be worried that it's like, am I making stupid business decisions just because it feels right in my heart. And it's like, but usually if you do make a, a decision from that place with some mild exceptions, like people will appreciate that and see it. And that's what you're selling essentially. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it comes through in that way. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Julia. Oh, I just adore you. I could, I could just hear oh. you talk for hours like I could just oh. chat with you for hours. I was about I was nearing the end of that thing I was like I'm gonna need to start stop talking <laughs> oh my god like, Julia you're even no. apologizing here no, oh, no I love it I love it I like, so much I've had now I've had my lunch cocktail like I'm just like I could just sit here and talk for the next three hours and lots of people are aware that I absolutely could <laughs> I would oh I would love that I was I was thinking like oh man okay well just off air I'm just gonna be like hey when do you get off work like let's go grab coffee let's go grab <gasps> no coffee we should grab cocktails it was right in front of me who am I why would I say that I was I was gonna say or like you can I can bring you an ice cream sandwich. I meant to send you oh. some and then I realized that I've I've run out of time and I mismanaged my day. But I no, will also will I will come there. Assuming you're not severely lactose intolerant or I am a little bit. I'm not going to lie. And last Mm -hmm. night I had like so many dairy products that I had such a stomach ache this morning. And I was like, it's fine stomach. You'll just have all the liqueur. Like you'll have all the alcohol this morning. You'll feel fine. Um, But honestly, no, I would love, I, I have thought about it multiple times. Like, oh, I want to go over to Ernie's. I like, I want to go up there and I hope Julie's working and I can say hi quickly and not bother her because she's going to be busy, but I want to say hi and I mean, also your, I want to eat all your photos of all of your sandwiches. Like they look amazing. So yes, we're doing this. We're doing ice cream sandwiches and cocktails together so that we can chat for hours and hours. Okay. Okay. So what I would love to do next is a little rapid fire question situation. Okay. Great. Great. Oh my God. I'm so glad that you're excited about it. Okay. Oh, here we go. I'm so excited to ask you all of the questions. Okay. My dog is like coughing in the background. She's fine. If you hear, I don't know if my mic is picking it up and it's happened a couple times. I'm like, I need to acknowledge, like, no, I'm not hiding a dead body in my condo in Toronto. She's fine. She just does this sometimes. Anyway, she's totally fine. This is like her afternoon cough. (laughs) Wonderful. Okay. What ice cream sandwich flavor are you like itching to try to make that you haven't made yet? Ooh, um, I mean, we've been able to make most of them. I can tell you on the down low what our next flavor is, which is we're going to do, and I'm, I'm putting the fish, finishing touches on it. It sucks when I'm like, it's not quite there yet. Yeah. Um, but we're doing carrot cake. <gasps> oh, so thought that would be a good oh, fall kind of thing. It's got all the cinnamon and whatnot. So it's going to be like a carrot cake kind of cakey blondie kind of thing with a cream cheese ice cream. I want to do something more special than just a a brick of cream cheese ice cream but I can't figure out what it is my friend Aaron keeps being like raisins put raisins in it I'm like get the okay yeah it. get the fuck out yes, no. yes, yes. some people I'm do not put putting raisins, raisins anywhere near my carrot cake maybe like walnuts or something because some people put nuts in their carrot cake but I don't know if that's in the blondie maybe already I don't know yeah it is already in the blondie but maybe okay. I don't know maybe like a praline or something like that I don't know yeah, yeah. like we'll nuts are good yeah 
Okay. Oh my God. Count me in. Oh, I'm so excited. Okay. Okay. So something that people might not know about you that is like one of my top favorite things about you that makes you like an absolute rock star that I'm intimidated to talk to um, so is sick. you have incredible may dare I say perfect pitch. Like you are an incredible singer <laughs> and you have like perfect pitch. When, when, I, when you were directing me, there was many times where I had to be like, Julia, what the fuck is my note? And then you would just be able to sing it. I'm not going to ask you that here, but how can somebody like, that's one of my insecurities. Like how can someone have better pitch when they sing? Do you I have pitch? no idea. I was born with it. Yeah, it's like the version of a photographic memory, but it is like auditory. Yeah. Um, and I think the thing that I, the the, re, the time when I realized that I was able to do it was, mm. and I think it was drilled into me. And literally, this is still my kind of like reference note. Um, if I need to think of a note, mm. uh, when I was in high school, I was in Sound of Music. And I was one of the nuns that sings How Do You Sell a Problem Like Maria. And so there was, the person starts singing before the music kicks in. So they have to have their starting note before the, I think it was my line, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it was. You uh, would have been the anyway. smart one to give that to, because you have perfect pitch out of nowhere. What they did was, I believe it was, I believe it was a G. And so what they did was that they had church bells playing, like in the scene before, they just have church bells and they did them in a G. So like right before we started singing, you get your note, but like sneakily. And oh, I so I did that, that intel. Yeah. And so it was really fun. And it was like, it was in London. It was at the Grand Theater. They do a high school project thing. So it was like a full production. It was really cool. It's to date Ooh. the biggest production I've ever been in. <laughs> um, but uh, it was a G and we did that show for like three weeks, like mm. six shows a week while wow. also being in high school. And so I don't know, like how many, like a hundred times we got, we were like listening, got the note. We we're like, that's the G. Okay, great. And so for the rest of that, that was, I don't know, 15 years ago. And it's, it's still burned into my, it, nah, that's, that's a G I think. Oh, although now I'm scared. Oh. Cause what if I'm wrong? <laughs> Listen, okay, maybe, maybe you are. It's yeah. been a long pandemic, so that's yeah. what we're going to blame it on. But mm -hmm. a full, full, like, I have full evidence to pull out that the whole time that you were directing me and we had like full harmonies and stuff, and me and Madeline, who played my um, sister, you would be able to be like, uh, Amanda, this is your note. And just like, I'm not even going to sing it. And like, just sing. And then like, Madeline, this is your note. And I'm not talking about where we started in the song. It could be midway through and you were able to give me a note of like the third word of the sentence. It was, I was in such awe, Julie. Also, you're an incredible singer. If you're interested in doing that also, you should do that. And you're a wonderful writer and you're an incredible performer. Like all the things, if if you're interested. But I'm very big on like only if you, just because you're talented at something doesn't mean you have to do it. I know you're about to hide behind <laughs> your hair. Like, From the office, hair. it's like when. Yeah, my when hair was she my does room. It. My, uh, in the, yeah, in the foster home. My hair yeah. was my room. Okay, that's a good tip. Like find a note. And just know and kind the of like drill it into your note. brain, maybe. Yeah. With also, like, I mean, I grew up in choir and playing like piano lessons and all stuff. So I think it also okay. was like drilled into me from a very early age. So I don't mm -hmm. like I can't give advice. It's not like I practiced it and perfected it. It was just I don't know. I, don't I was know. just in choir and piano and did six shows a week for three weeks. I didn't work for it. I do and think you have a natural knack for it, but I think I'm gonna try and be able to pull out of my ass middle C. For some reason in my head, I feel like middle C will be like the most helpful note to know off the top of my head. Yeah, there's something scientific about it where it's like yeah. right in the middle of something. I mean, it's right in the middle, in the middle of, the of something. There's like, yes. but there's 
something auditory about it where it's just like a very easy note tonally yeah. for people to to connect to you. I don't know. But yeah, yeah. watch it be like right in my break, like where I can't quite like my shaky little where you go from like your chest to your head voice. Watch it be right in the middle of there. And I'm like, I can never find it. Okay. If you were to start a totally different, this is what I do with rapid fire is I ask and then I want to chat about it. Okay. <laughs> so I'm trying, I'm trying to get more rapid and then I get like right a little sweaty because I get nervous. <laughs> okay. If you were to start another business, a totally different business right now, what kind of product would you sell? Ooh. I was actually talking about this earlier with my uh, friends that are in from the UK. Apparently in the UK, they turned everything into like secret supper clubs and like speakeasies and stuff. Although now that I've actually done this, I'm like, would that be super fun or would it be just <laughs> really stressful? But like, I'm just having like a little wine bar kind of thing and just creating a vibe. Like I love entertaining and I geek out over stuff like lighting and glassware and cocktails and finding mm. the cool whatever, you know, that is like, we just got this in from Italy and there's just a few bottles in Toronto and we scored it or whatever, like, and, and then creating playlists like that, all that kind of stuff is super exciting. But I also think that that would be similar to this one where it's like, oh, that'll be so fun and creatively rewarding. And then instead you're just like, kill me. Like, you know, like, oh, the suppliers <laughs> are all the stuff that, yeah, oh, exactly. It's all the stuff that comes and the health the health inspector's coming and yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. oh there's yeah. a mouse I don't know oh fuck <laughs> like this person just quit like yeah I don't think that there is a business uh, that you can run that is like just a fun breezy kind of thing necessarily maybe, maybe being like I feel like you would be fantastic at being and I don't know what to call this so I'm just calling it like a vibe consultant like somebody <laughs> who wants to start the speak it wants to open the speakeasy they consult you essentially, like you said, being like creative director, like the person in Truman Show, like you get to, it's almost like interior design, but also branding, but also, it's all the things where you're like, this would be the vibe of this place. I feel like you'd be so great at it. And then you don't have to deal with suppliers or any of that bullshit. And then you can just go in and enjoy the speakeasy rather than having to work at it. Yeah. I did have an employer that like, like it wasn't necessarily her MO to just start mm. places and then walk away, but that was mm. kind of what eventually would end up happening is that she would like create a business and she had such an amazing kind of eye for like everything like mm. such a good sensibility and so like I mean I can rattle up she was involved in uh the ace on Roncesvalles Dakota Tavern on Ossington Skyline Restaurant Paddock on Bathurst uh oh and like and it was like a family operation her brother did communist daughter and like the three speed. And it's just like these people that have like the best sense of creating a vibe in ways that I would never would have even thought of in terms of like decor and like where to source your tables from some like estate sale or whatever. Like, wow. and like, it's such a cool thing. So what she would frequently end up doing is just like, she'd be like, all right, I'm starting this business. And she would mm. do all of that. And then it would be obviously super successful. And then she'd end up selling it, like selling mm. the business and then using that sort of capital for her next, like, project yeah and I, and I think that's somewhat similar to gen egg in Toronto except but these people also continue to work in their businesses as well but right. like but that would be cool I wish I could just just go I around could totally see you doing that away. yeah Absolutely. I mean, and then you just have like a yeah. really good Aaron who mm -hmm. you can work like you have to have a really good second in command or or who ends up being first in command at that location because I guess mm -hmm. it depends on each business like maybe some of them you want to continue working in and be more involved than others. But, oh, I could totally see you doing that, especially now that you have all of this like 
business experience going through it and actually opening up your own business and kind of understanding those parts too. Yeah. And then nothing would have to stay frozen. And then nothing. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to do frozen mm -hmm. stuff again. You could do yeah. stuff that can't melt. That would be mm -hmm. kind of nice. I'm yeah. sure it would have its no. own problem, but it wouldn't have to melt. No dairy. No yeah. Dairy maybe, maybe no food. Like maybe it would mm -hmm. be something that wasn't even food related. Maybe. The shelf life on those products would be so mm. great for you. you so know? true. Oh, also, yeah. if I am giving business advice, yeah. don't start a business involving liquid dairy. Just don't do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, yeah. There's so many, one, at least. <laughs> there, there's so many like Department of Agriculture, like laws mm -hmm. and regulations that you have to deal with. And like, just don't. Don't just, do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do it for like your fifth business, not your first. We'll just yeah, hold off it was, a little bit. It's a whole nightmare. And if like, you are... If you are, then contact Julia and you have to pay her for her time for her to tell you about her mm. experience also. Or I feel like there's it. better people you could. <laughs> I'll tell you exactly what not to do, which is yeah, yeah. everything that I do. Which is yeah. just as helpful sometimes. Yeah. Okay, so this I'm pulling from your from an Instagram photo, okay? You have an Instagram post, it, and I'm forgetting the year now. This could be 17 years ago, but which I don't think Instagram even. But anyway, you have a photo. And it's so cute. And the caption is something like, this is my identity in a photo or something. And it's like your really cute typewriter that I, this very cute turquoise one. And then, but then you have this box of Oreos that are double stuffed. And I'm like, Julia, do you prefer double stuff over regular? I guess so. Yeah. Why okay. wouldn't you? Like, I mean, I it's love too them much both. stuff, Julia. It's too much <laughs> stuff. I can't do it. And lately it's come up in my life. People have bought me double stuff like fudgios or there was double or we were at the grocery store picking Oreos to bring to like a cottage. And I was like, I don't want double stuff. It's too much. But do you I like might, it? I might. I haven't had an Oreo in a really long time now that I think of it. That might have been the last time I had Oreos. And that was in <laughs> pandemic was day, like early yeah. pandemic. <laughs> Yeah, early pandemic. Yeah, you might have a point. Like, it might be a better balance of flavors. Like, it might be too much sweetness, but like, yeah, I just love that stuff. I think yeah. I'm feeling insecure. I'm like, am I missing something? Also, you know what I realized because of your photo and the fudgios that somebody sent. I was feeling I was having a rough week, and someone sent me fudgios. It was very sweet. Oh. It was it was actually very kind. Um, but mm. on both of them, on the box, it says double. I thought it was double stuffed, but it's double stuff. Mm. S-T-U-F. Where is the second F? I'm so confused. Christy, Cook, Christy Cookies, hit me up. What is going on with it? Am I missing something? Or listeners, viewers, somebody tell me. what? Why is there only one F? I have no idea. Maybe they charge by the letter for, like, <laughs> <laughs> printing. Like Christy, I, yeah, Christy Corporation point. can afford it. Anyway, okay. I mean, okay. we're talking about it, so. Maybe so, it's listen, job. marketing is They're working. like, this is going to get people talking. Yes, absolutely. Okay, my last rapid fire for you is in the blog TO article that you mentioned earlier, you said, quote, I could write an essay on my beliefs on the perfect ice cream sandwich composition, end quote. Mm -hmm. So I want to know what makes a perfect ice cream sandwich composition? Well, first of all, I wrote that as like, I was mortified because I wrote that at the end, like they had all these questions and I answered all the questions. Yeah. And I was like, I, I wrote something like, sorry, if these answers were too long, I could write an essay on the perfect ice cream sandwich level, but I'll spare you or something like that. And then yeah. they put it in as like the quote being like, I could write an essay on the perfect ice cream sandwich. And I was like, oh, you were so like, that was my apology for all my other answers. Oh, <laughs> yeah, no. there was, yeah. And then I pulled I'll it out too. Yeah, I don't think I've ever had an in an interview where there wasn't something that I'm like, why did I say that? Or like, that's oh, not God. what I meant. Oh, yes, God. Uh, totally. But 
Okay, so the biggest things are that uh, the cookie has to be soft enough to be bite throughable. Like that's mm. kind of the biggest thing. And like getting ratios right um, is important. So what we end up doing, like one of the labor of love things that ends up having to be done, which makes it arguable that this is not a great business venture, <laughs> is that um, <laughs> I changed recipes for cookies. And so to make them much like softer and butterier mm. so that they, uh, when they're frozen, they're still soft. They don't turn into a rock, but that means that we then have to, like when they're baked, they're so soft that if you try to take them out of the tray, they just fall apart. <laughs> so we have to bake them and then freeze them and then work with them once they're like frozen or at least very well chilled. That's why nobody's done what we're doing yep. yet. Absolutely. Or or if they have, it's it's rare or whatever. Like, it's just, it's so much work. It's arguably more work than it's entirely <laughs> worth. Um, the other thing is, I'm just giving away my tra- trade secrets now, but uh, the ice cream and also the cookie, basically food when it's frozen loses a lot of its flavor mm-hmm. just because it's frozen. So um, like, for instance, if you've ever like had a bowl of ice cream and then it melts and then you try to eat the like melted ice cream, it's like, yeah. oh God, yeah. like it's like, it makes you sick immediately, like way too sweet, way mm-hmm. too rich. But then when it's ice cream, it's fantastic. And that's Perfect. because like the flavors are really dulled. So we put more sugar and more salt, like a shit ton of salt in everything. Interesting. Um, dude, because when I made like regular cookies uh, and then ice cream, it's like, we just couldn't even taste anything. Um, so that's, yeah, that's, that's just kind of how it's done. And then, yeah, being able to make it so that it can all be frozen in one piece because if you got a room temperature cookie and put some ice cream on there, then it's just going to melt and fall apart. Yeah. So like, and you want, if you bite through it, it's just going to immediately all fall apart and squish out and stuff. So that was the stuff that I set out to kind of work on it and figure out a way to, to make it work and to varying levels of success. Like sometimes, <laughs> sometimes it's a bit challenging and, uh, or if a cookie gets overbaked or like the ice cream's a little too soft or whatever, sometimes it can mm. still be a bit of an undertaking, but you know, we, we do our best to make that happen. And yeah, yeah, I'm pretty, pretty proud of how it's turned out. Yeah. I love that you're thinking again of the vibe, the whole, the whole like customer experience of like, Kate, the cookie has to be soft enough that you can actually eat it. And also like, it has to stay together and you have to be able to eat it like a sandwich and you have to actually be able to taste the flavors when it's frozen. Like all of this, again, like mm-hmm. you said, all of these big corporations cannot do what we are doing when we're being as thoughtful as this. Oh, I can't wait. Yeah. I'm so excited to try your peanut butter and jelly one. And the, the I mean, the carrot one, I'm dying. I'm so excited for that one when it yeah. comes out. But in the meantime, oh, and the Earl, yeah, all of them. I mean, all of them. When I look at them, I'm like, I want all of these. Okay, so the way that I'm ending off, I'm trying to end off the episodes these days is I am not, I'm trying to get better at like putting out what I want, like asking for what I want, rather than just thinking about what I want in my head and then hoping that people give me the, read my mind and give me those opportunities. And like, mm-hmm. I should let people know. So I'm wondering, what is something that you might want to put out into you? I can't even talk right now with this. <laughs> what is something that you would want to put out into the universe? Like maybe somebody listening or watching this right now is able to give you an opportunity that you would really like. What's something that you would really like that you might want to ask for or put out there? Hmm. I think the biggest thing that is like maybe limiting our attraction is just space and capital. Like we mm-hmm. have the equipment we have, and we have the space that we have, and it is limiting the, our, our capacity to make stuff. So the thing that always comes to mind for me is just people with access to space and equipment or what have you 
um, or any like people with experience on how to kind of level up from here mm-hmm. or like or expand scale up is the word that's very much something that I would love some help with because I feel like mm-hmm. we're we're a cute little neighborhood spot and we do what we can we're like a little ragtag team but in terms of upward mobility we're kind of at a little bit of an impasse and also like I just want to be able to be part of people's events like that was always a kind of idea that we really want to like do like weddings and birthdays and festivals and that kind of thing and just be like able to just pull up with a big box of ice cream sandwiches and we've done a little bit of that more I've been reaching out to some like event planners and and stuff like that just to be like hey we're like throw us in the mix in terms of if you're looking for like a midnight snack for the wedding on the dance floor or something for your we did a bat mitzvah the other day that was friggin' wild holy crap like (laughs) I, I I didn't go I but we just they bought like something like 150 ice cream sandwiches and I was like it's gonna cost this much if you want to do that and they're like okay and then the guy pulled up and like told me what the budget was for this bat mitzvah and I was like are you fucking kidding (laughs) that's like 10 times what I would spend on a wedding like what the hell so like if you know any people like that yeah who are throwing big festivities and who love ice cream sandwiches that's a great idea that's so fun of like what is what are you having are you having a birthday are you having like even are you having like a corporate event are you having whatever where like hey here's a fun because they're so I mean first of all the quality of the product and also they're unique and they're different and they are like artisanal looking like they're fancy they're so Mm -hmm. fucking beautiful they're so um photo graphic photogenic photogenic yeah they look yeah. so good and oh. so anyway that's oh that's a great one to put out there because also people might not know mm-hmm. that you're interested in in getting involved in more like event spaces so i love that yeah. there's we had one person be just around the corner yeah. i had somebody reach out when we were like just opening up so we just mm-hmm. couldn't do it mm-hmm. but like they were from a film set and they like a lot of the time on like film crews and whatever they will have like some sort of appreciation thing where they're like we brought in a taco truck or whatever Aww. and they're reaching out being like hey can we get 150 ice cream sandwiches for next week and I was like you're like no. I mean, I'm still working from but, my apartment like I can't do 150 but, yeah but now I'm like hey I can do, I can do it now it's I, I know it's mid to late October do you want the ice cream still uh but yeah, yeah but honestly Julia like all those reaching out just watch when I mean I, what am I? I feel like I'm mansplaining now, but it's like, just watch when the weather gets warmer, all those film crews. And then also like when, when peak wedding season hits, all of the stuff that you're reaching out for now, it's like, get ready. Cause I'm mm-hmm. sure you're going to get a ton of those coming back to you and more. I hope from anyone listening or watching who's like, Oh, I want that reach out. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Oh, oh, thank you so much for doing this with me today, Julia. And like, I want to go for cocktails and get and. I mean, I want to eat all of your ice cream sandwiches and I want to go get cocktails and I want to try last word because that was the other drink that we had talked about. So I want to try that at a bar where they have all the cool ingredients for it. Oh, yeah, it's it's fantastic. Yeah, that's for sure. I need more social life now at this point, like post pandemic, <laughs> post starting a business. I was like, hello. Hello. Is anyone out bread? there? Yeah. Have just, you forgotten me? You're just in your freezer. <laughs> hello. Anybody? Yeah. Okay, well, great. I think I even have your phone number still from the directing days. So we'll just text and we'll just go and do it. I love that. Thank you. Everyone go buy an ice cream sandwich. Uh, Thank you so much for having me. This has been a delight. And nobody doesn't love talking about themselves for an extended period of time. So very nice uh, way to 
break up my weekend day and you know dealing with all the drudgery to be like oh this is is fun um so thank you so much it means so much that you reached out especially with the caliber of guests that you have on and like being included in that realm i don't know Uh, you are of that caliber a hundred percent you are so welcome i have been wanting to have you on for so long i think you're so i thought you were dynamite even before you opened up your own friggin beautiful business so i was like are you kidding me with this so anyway i'm just i'm so thrilled we could work it out and um i'm so glad to hang out in real life now thanks i also i just remembered not to keep dragging this out you can get this um (laughs) when you were you were talking about starting a podcast and you were like I think you just mentioned something about starting a podcast, but I had not seen a description of what the podcast was. Yeah. So I immediately reached out being like, cause I had also started a pandemic podcast briefly yes. um, and did like, I don't know, 12 episodes and then just like stopped. I, I listened like, to them. They were so fun. Oh, well, about cocktail, uh, cocktail culture and history. Yeah. They were so fun. Yeah. And uh, so like, I just immediately reached out being like, Hey, I like podcasts. I'll be on your podcast. Want me on your podcast. Let's do a podcast together. And then I read the description. It was like, I meet up with inspiring women who are, who like are life changing and like pioneers in their field. And, and, and like people that I've been un like, like scared to reach out to because I'm so intimidated by them. And so like impressed by their prowess and ambition. All this stuff. Like I was like, and I was like, I'll do it. Like I forgot that. And then I'm pretty sure you messaged me like almost immediately and was like, oh my God, I just read the description. I'm so sorry that I volunteered myself for this. I presume. Oh my God. It's so funny. I totally forgot that. And it's funny because I'm pretty sure I don't know if I said this or I just thought it, but I was like, Julie, you're already on my list. So like, you're not being presumptuous oh. as like, my list is longer than I have episodes for. So like, no, this was long before I had done any of this and like was fully, like completely unemployed and, and aimless in life. <laughs> and I was like, put me on your list of inspiring women and talk about all the things I'm working on, which is nothing. <laughs> no, I loved it. It's also so pure. It was just like, Hey, it felt really lovely. Actually, after you sent the second message and I realized you didn't know like the premise of the podcast or whatever, I realized, oh, wow, she just reached out because she knew Amanda and podcast. Sure, I'd want to talk to you. Let's do this. And I felt so, it made me feel very nice. And I mean, it it was also a relief to me because I was like, oh, you're already on my list. This is an easy one. Like, I don't have to, I don't have to say anything. I mean, you were already on there. So it was very sweet to know before I asked you that you would already be potentially open to it. So you saved oh. me some nerves, honestly. So that was very nice well, of you. That's very nice. Very but... nice. Oh my God. Okay. I am have a little last bit of my drink and this oh. is not for you. I'm just going to chug mine because I'm like, whatever. I am a little, I am feeling this alcohol. Like I am, did I have breakfast? Like, I don't know what I did, but I'm going to finish off this drink this drink is so good i'm not just saying that because like i could say it's horrible it's not like there's this all of these alcohols are a sponsor (laughs) this drink was so good i would order this at a cocktail lounge bar at a fancy place i would order this thank you so much for listening to this episode of the liquid courage podcast If you like what you heard and you're looking to support the show, here's a few ways you can help. You can leave the show a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, or you can follow the show on Instagram and TikTok at Liquid Courage Podcast, or, and best of all, you can tell a friend about the show. Tell a family member, tell a coworker, post about your favorite episode online, spread the word. That really is the best way to help support the show and help it grow. (laughs) Did I just rhyme? Okay, until the next episode, cheers. Cheers.